Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. And to aid survivors of human trafficking. The issue, he told CNA, is a pro-life one. That legislation providing roughly a billion dollars over five years to strengthen and expand education, restorative care, and other critical programs to protect victims, prosecute perpetrators, and prevent trafficking. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tomio, and the doctor is in with Dr. Agarindi. Starts now. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. I love your show. Let me show you what it looks like to be a holy person, and maybe you'll want to be holy like me. You just patted yourself on the back. You seem like an honest guy. But you're a psychologist. Do you have some advice? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my second favorite Italian person. I think you have a way of making people feel relaxed. She needs to feel the consequences of being a jerk. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm inept. You are awesome. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Delighted to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi. This is the Monday version of The Doctor is In. This is E-Person Monday. E as in electronic. And person as in the umbrella term for the human race. I was going to say email, but it sounded a little too narrow linguistically, a little patriarchal. So I can't say email. Now, granted, it's a homonym. In other words, it sounds the same, but it's spelled different. However, that's close enough. I still don't want to do this. So it is e-person where I take your missives. Oops, I blew that again, didn't I? can't say missives. Uh, I take your ms-ibs that come to me through the computer, and I attack the... I uh, can't say attack. can't say attack. That's a, that's a violent image word, isn't it? I address them as best I can. Uh, well, I can't really say as best I can either. That, that sort of sounds like I'm playing the victim card. <sighs> boy, oh boy, I just, there's not a whole lot of language left to use here. I talk about them somewhat uh, appropriately. Uh, that's good. That's good. I can you can say appropriately. You don't have to say right or wrong. Appropriately, right or wrong is is judgmental value language. You can't you can't you can't say right or wrong anymore. That's a judgment. <clears throat> and uh, do my best. Well, I do my better to uh, address them. So we'll get to your e persons shortly here. After I do my opening. Manalog. I believe this is right around the time in the Gospel of John. I think I got this right. Where Jesus raised Lazarus. And interestingly enough, uh, this was this was this was a big deal. 
raise somebody from the dead. This this can get you in real trouble with the religious authorities. If you're, where's this guy getting this kind of power? And furthermore, this guy's critical of us, so we got to do something about this dude. And according to John, the talk about getting rid of Jesus really reached a, a peak, an apex. It was Thomas. The apostle, the poor guy gets the doubting Thomas label, you know, but interestingly enough, he might get the courageous Thomas label because I believe it was Thomas who said, well, we'll go and die with him. We will go and die with him. And at another point in the Gospels, when Peter was told, you'll deny me three times by our Lord, Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I won't deny you. Now, what's the point here? Peter predicted how he would act. Thomas made the observation how they would act. When it came to be a reality, they didn't act that way. At least temporarily. They did after the resurrection. But temporarily, when our Lord was arrested, tortured, killed, well, killed, sort of. In fact, then... They ran. They didn't predict accurately how they would react. They thought they knew. I will get folks in my office for marriage counseling, and the precipitating event, that's a, that's like a psycho language for meaning the nearest cause of why this person is having this difficulty or this particular diagnosis or this particular reason for coming to counseling. I used to say therapy, by the way. But counseling sounds so much more benign than therapy. You know, therapy sounds like there's something really, really wrong with you. Counseling sounds like it's, well, okay, let's just talk about it and sort it out. Well, they'll come to my office, and the precipitating event is the revelation, the discovery of an adulterous relationship by one of the spouses. It was either suspected for a while, but then it became obvious. Uh, it was discovered. The, the dalliance was reported by the person that they were having the dalliance with, who called the spouse, or they found something on a phone, or they confessed, or somehow it came to light. One of the first things the aggrieved spouse will say, I always said that if my spouse was not faithful to me, that would be the end of the marriage. No way could I stay married to someone I could not trust. But they're in therapy. I'm going to read resort to my old word they're in therapy because they want to salvage the marriage both of them want to salvage the marriage the offended spouse wants to salvage the marriage the spouse is shocked they thought there was no way it would be a done deal if they found out something like this had assaulted their marriage their marital commitment shut it down close up shop i'm out of here but they're not. And they don't want to be. What happened? Well, one, they talked pretty distinctly about how they would react if this happened. 
It was a, just a known response. That's the way it's going to be. If I would have asked them at the time, are you sure this is what would happen if something like this would befall your marriage? Absolutely. No doubt. There is no way, no way I could live under those circumstances. Everything would be in doubt. Everything I thought we had would be destroyed. How would I ever how would I ever be comfortable again trusting? That's what they would say. I know that's what they would say because some people have said it in marriage counseling before any of this ever happened. Why didn't they? Well, there's something about the reality that's more complicated than our prediction. There's children here. Marriage is going to break up. And then the one spouse, who is the offended spouse, is going to realize that he or she is not going to have the children a good part of the time. Oh, I don't want that. They have a history together. They, they, they had what appeared to be a lot of very good moments. And say, for example, the adulterous relationship isn't that old. It's, it's three months old, let's say, in a 17-year marriage. And prior to that, things were pretty good. The offending spouse is apparently very contrite, truly contrite. Apologizing, willing to do whatever they have to do to save the marriage, to heal the marriage. So the complicating factors of reality kick in. It is easy to say, I know exactly what I would do if that situation ever arose. And I want to say, not necessarily. Well, Dr. Ray, what do you say? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you saying that somebody can't predict morally how they would react? I mean, isn't that at the very core of being a disciple? That you would say, I would never be unfaithful to my spouse. That's good. That, that commitment. I would never watch pornography. It's not going to do it. Now, that is a wonderful prediction. And morally, if you live it, that indicates that as a Christian, you got a lot of God's grace giving you strength. I'm not saying that you, that you automatically are going to say, well, I don't know if the situation ever presents itself. I have no idea how I'm going to react. No, you do. What you really want to live a moral Christian life is to have your prediction closer to the reality if the reality ever presents itself for example let's say you're a guy and one of your buddies says hey you got to see this i got i found this website you got to see this okay now the situation is presenting itself it's pornography what will you do you've always said i would never ever do that to my wife i would never disobey the lord like that Okay, now here's the reality. Now, if you walk away from it, your prediction squared with the reality. I predict that I would never, and I didn't. But if you weaken and you fall prey, okay, then you're, you're just living the idea, the notion that we can't always predict how we're going to react 
when the situation presents itself. Psychologists have done this. They use sophomores. Sophomores in college are psychologists' rats, basically. That's what they use. I I went through all kinds of (laughs) studies when I was a sophomore. They always wanted us to be the subjects in some experiment. And they ask kids to predict how they would act. I think the... I think the situation was cheating. And a certain percentage of the kids said, no way, I'm not going to cheat. It's not going to happen. And what they found was, when they when they set up the situation, and I, I don't remember the details on how they did it, but they set up a situation where if they cheated, they would get rewarded. They would get a better grade, and they would get some, some, some payoff, some big payoff. Well, a percentage of them cheated, who said they wouldn't cheat. Because the situation presented itself. Why do we predict this way? Because I think we want to think well of ourselves. We want to be able to say, I wouldn't do that. I know how I would act. I would act positively in that situation. If my father-in-law ever yelled at me like that, I would just, I would just quietly not say anything. I wouldn't fight back until he yells at you. And then he yells at you again. And then you've had enough, and you lose a grip. I guess the message to all of this is be humble enough to realize that you pray to God you're not put in situations that are major temps. They push you to your limit. Now, I know the Scripture says God doesn't let us be tempted beyond our ability, and he gives us the strength to resist it. I understand that. But all that says is that he, he doesn't put us in that situation beyond our ability. We may, we may give in far before our ability has been used up. I think it's humility to say, dear Lord, don't, don't let me be in that situation. Don't let that happen. Dear Lord, help me to live according to my predictions of what I would be like if put in ticklish or difficult or tempting situations. I'm Dr. Ray. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Do you wish you could have discussions about difficult topics with your adult children? If so, don't worry. You're not alone. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And our new book, Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Your Adult Sons and Daughters, can help you draw closer to your adult children and help guide them on the path to more faithful, 
and meaningful lives. You can get our latest book and all of our other books on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit Healthcare that works better and costs less. Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-417-0636. That's 844-417-0636. Good to be with you here on The Doctor Is In. This is the Monday version. This is E-Person Monday where I do what I can to deal with, using more genteel language, to deal with the missives, the missives, the personives that come in through the email. We get uh, several hundred a month, um, and I, I try to answer them all in some very brief way, whether I, I say a certain percentage say, do you know anybody in the area that's a counselor that would respect our Catholic worldview? That's, as I'd say, that's about uh, 15%, 20% them. Five or ten percent of them say, uh, which of your books would you recommend? Those are my favorite ones, by the way. Uh, the bulk of them are, here is a situation. And they may come from here on the radio show or the TV show. I can tell they're from the TV show when I say, would you please call the radio show? I can ask some questions. And I talk a lot faster than I type. And they say, what radio show? So I know they just <laughs> are familiar through the TV show. Um, okay, so what do we got here? Our daughter married four years ago. Beautiful little baby boy. We're very proud of our daughter. She works full time. She's successful. On her days off, she makes all of her son's food at home. A little typo here. It says all of her sins. <laughs> little little Freudian slip there. She stops and decides elements of a balanced diet she's very professional very responsible okay so you got a mom doing both here raising the little guy very responsible with his well-being and she is a professional who i would imagine works full-time the problem dr ray is that her husband seems to think that she has to make her career's decisions based on how much money she's being offered now my question is how do you know that has she told you has she complained about this? Has he said things that would indicate this overtly? Have you drawn conclusions on some things that he has said? Like, well, we're very pleased she's got a full-time job. I, that's very nice. It really helps us live better. I, I don't know. So i got to know all those things which I don't know. She wants to change careers. So that she can teach her son and be responsible for his intellectual and moral development. Okay? Not unusual, by the way. Matter of fact, there's been some surveys kind of kind of shocked some of the sentiments that uh, gained momentum out there that a lot of moms who assume a dual role in their profession and their home life with children uh, have have unexpected dissatisfaction. It's very hard to do both to the level they would like. 
And many of them, I don't know what percentage, I forget the surveys, a surprising percentage have actually said, I wish I could stay home. I would like to raise my children at least when they're little. So it sounds like this mom is experiencing some of this. I have the feeling... Okay, okay, again, how did you get the feeling? Did, did somebody say something? Has your daughter confessed this to you? Have you heard them talking about this in front of you at a family get-together? Have the feeling she feels pressured to make money for the family. Her husband works, makes money, but she is very successful. I think my son-in-law is a great father, but I think he has the responsibility to provide and it bothers me the economic pressure on my daughter. You see, Mom, this, this is something that your daughter has to handle. I know you want to make it right, you want to fix it, but how would you do that? If, if you weigh in, with your son-in-law especially, and say, well, don't you think it's better that she stays home? Wouldn't you rather have her do this, that, and the other? He may say, well, no, I don't, or he may say, what business is this of yours? You don't know. So, let's go on with this here. I don't get involved. Smart. Very smart. But I ask questions to her about her plans. And I support her thinking. Because she's bright, mature, and driven. She's now young. But she's overextending herself. I wouldn't want her to neglect herself, get sick, overstressed, or unhappy. Kindly advise. Well, the first thing I would say, you got to be careful you don't future project like that. At this point, she, it sounds like, is still trying to juggle both. And the little baby boy, let's see, they have a beautiful boy. She's probably a little toddler or two or three, somewhere in there. So she's doing both right now. And she's young. And you say, I don't want her to get neglectful of herself, get sick, overstressed, or unhappy. I understand that. You don't want your adult child to do this. However, as time passes, and maybe this little guy gets to be four or five, and maybe they have another child. Now the tug to go back home may be stronger on her. And she may say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it because the pull is stronger. But that's going to be stronger than anything you're going to do, Grandma. That That is. At this point, you're wise not to weigh in with your opinion because you don't know how son-in-law is going to react. Because you're, you, you're, in essence, questioning him, and he may see this as something in their marriage. Be very careful here. Now, I've had emails say, well, Dr. Ray, why are you telling her to be quiet? She's concerned about her daughter. She needs to step in and help her daughter. Whoa, 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 whoa. I understand that. And I understand the concern, and I understand the wish that the daughter would make a decision and that her husband would agree with it. I got that part. The question is, is Grandma able to do something about this? Now, it's interesting here. Now, Grandma wrote the letter. No mention of husband, grandma's husband. Now, that could be for any number of reasons. But the most common one, if I know nothing else, and somebody would say, what do you think the reason is here?
the most common one, again, this is speculation on my part, is that Grandpa is not as concerned about the situation enough to feel that he has to take some kind of action or to raise questions. Grandma, I would say that when your daughter comes to you and she expresses her turmoil, her decision-making angst, that you do exactly what you've been doing. You keep your mouth shut regarding overt opinions. You just ask, well, how do you think this will play out? Well, what would happen if you uh, if you told, let's say, Bob is his name, that you want to stay home? What would happen? What kind of job would you want to get so it would allow you to more easily do what you want to do? That's what I would do. I would be very diligent about giving, well, you know, if you, if you want to stay home and you're not going to stay home, it's only a matter of time before you're going to be unhappy and it's going to put stress on your marriage. you got to be real careful saying stuff like that. I have friends whose spouse says, go get a job, when she didn't want to get a job. She ultimately went and got a job. And that's how they decided that they were going to keep the uh, peace in their differing opinions. That's how they decided it. I never said anything. And even if someone confides in me and says, I'm frustrated about this, I still ask, well, how are you working this out with your spouse? What's going on? What would happen if you did this? Have you said this? It's the way I'd approach it here, Grandma. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. What are some major offenses against the Eighth Commandment? The Catholic Catechism states that false witness, that is, lying in court, and perjury, which is lying under oath, are especially grave sins because they are stated publicly. Such false statements contribute to the condemnation of the innocent and the exoneration of the guilty or the increased sentence of the accused. If we assume the moral fault of another without sufficient evidence, we commit the sin of rash judgment. We offend by the sin of detraction when we reveal the faults of another without an objectively valid reason to someone who did not know them. Calumny is the sin of lying about another person. 
thereby harming their reputation and contributing to occasions of false judgments regarding them. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thanks for joining me here. Dr. Ray Garendi, program doctor is in, Monday version, E-Person Monday. Program comes to you Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Some, I just, just shy of, I understand, well, I don't know exactly the number, but it's somewhere between four and 500 affiliates as well as Sirius Satellite Channel 130. And as more and more people are listening through podcasts, through streaming, through apps, all kinds of ways that people now listen. Which makes me very scared. When I was in the second grade, Sister Liguori told us that um, she thought that the gospel would be preached to all nations and then the end would come. Well, that's quoting scripture. Uh, and I, I remember thinking even then, my little engineering mind thinking, well, you know, there's probably a lot of people who haven't heard the gospels yet, so I don't have to worry yet. Besides, how can you send missionaries to all those places? Yeah, well, now with technology... And you can tune in. Well, in some places you can't, but it's available there all over the whole world. It means it's going to be preached to everybody. Uh, this was from a nice lady here. Where did she sign her name? Uh, talk to her. Okay, I addressed her e-person. Uh, Dr. Ray, there's another item I wanted to relay to you. This seems as good a time as any. Last summer, you and Randy, Randy's my wife, were eating ice cream. And the last bite of yours fell on the ground. This was, this. by the way, I'll get you a backdrop on this. This was at a conference. Actually, it was at Ave Maria Radio's 25th anniversary. It was a summer get-together. We were there, and there were different stations, and I went and got some ice cream. So did my wife. What I thought was a playful response, you said, and I really wanted that. Your wife immediately gave you her remaining ice cream. That brought tears to my eyes. It's a beautiful example of Catholic marriage. She didn't hesitate to put you first. It was beautifully seamless, poignant, and telling. Now, I showed this to my wife, and my wife said, yeah, I, I just didn't want the rest of mine. <laughs> oh, what do we got here? Let's see. This one is yours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, that one I think I already did. I'm going to have to move up here a little further. What do we got here? What's this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My husband is a bully. Well, I think she means a bully with me. My husband is a bully. And right after Holy Mass, when we get in the car, he starts pushing my buttons. Okay, here's my questions. Why after Mass? Is that the only time? Is there something about Mass? Are you dragging him there against his will? Does he not want to be there? Is he not like the priest? Does he have objections about the parishioners? Does he think you're holier than thou? If he is a surly, 
sour, pushy individual right after Mass, I think you would do well to say is, what is it about Mass that this happens? Don't say that you become so ugly. Don't say that. Just just keep it a little more neutral that this happens. When we get in a car, he starts pushing my buttons. Now, you got to know something about buttons. People can push your buttons all they want. You do not have to cooperate in allowing that. Now, I know you're thinking, well, that's right, Dr. Ray. You're telling him don't push my buttons? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you you don't have to react. When you say somebody is pushing your button, what you're saying is I'm getting offended by what he says. I'm getting hurt by what he says. I'm getting resentful by what he says. Pick up a thesaurus and get a whole bunch of words. When somebody says something to push your buttons, you have to allow that. They can't push your button unless you cooperate. If you were to think to yourself, well, that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, and I think that's really foolish that he's saying that, I'm not paying attention to it. Now, that button didn't get pushed as hard, did it? But what happens is, when they push our buttons, we're really saying, he shouldn't be pushing my buttons. He shouldn't be saying that. I don't deserve that. I'm not that kind of person. Why would he say that? That's ridiculous. Besides, he's just as bad. He's worse. Can't he see that in himself? You do all this stuff goes through your head so fast. You don't sit there and think of it. It just shoots through there. If you could slow down the whole tape and put it on a screen, you'd see all those thoughts. That's what pushing your button means. Then I feel violated. Well, if you want to be really literal about this, you're not violated. He's saying dumb, bad things, perhaps with the deliberate intent to hurt. But you don't have to feel violated. It's just you could look at it like, wow. He really, he's really unhappy about a lot of things. This, this guy just makes himself miserable. You could interpret it that way. Then you say, and I feel sinful for getting so mad. Well, see, now we're back on my buttons being pushed. I'm allowing myself to get all upset because he's saying things I think are unfair, uncalled for, nasty, unpleasant. Okay, Dr. Ray, so we're just supposed to push a, push a button ourselves and not be bothered. No, I'm saying you're going to have to start the process here of not allowing this, which has happened apparently week after week after month after month, maybe year after year, to get to you. It's not new. It's been something you've been dealing with. Why is it still at that level of bothersomeness? We went to counseling a few times, but he says it's me, and he doesn't need counseling. It is very hard to live my faith with him. No, I'm going to put it another way. It's very easy to live your faith with him. Now, that really sounds like it makes no sense, doesn't it? If he were easy to live with, you wouldn't have to live your faith with him. Because you're saying he's hard to live with, and you're trying to live your faith with him, you're trying not to be nasty back, you're trying not to go to bed hating him. You're trying to do everything you can 
to pray for him and feel bad that he has to be so sour sometime. All of that is living your faith. So when you say, it's hard to live my faith, you're saying, because I react. But you can live your faith in many other ways. Our Lord says, you know, what what good is it for you if you uh, love those who love you? It's harder to do the other thing, but that that is living your faith. You're being challenged. Now, I don't know how long you've been married. I have no idea. But I would say that when I hear these kinds of things, these marriages have been around a long time. And my question is, why is the same stuff still having the power to get you as upset as it does? Sixty on ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The third commandment: Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. You know, of all the commandments, it might seem that we would get this one right. After all, it commands us to rest one day. But so often we're off to our own pursuits. God asks us to take one day to stop, reflect, rejoice, spend time with Him and with our family. But so often we're running everywhere else. It's also a day for worship. The book of Leviticus says, Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest and a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is the Sabbath of the Lord. And the book of Hebrews says that we should not neglect to meet together, as is a habit of some. And so again, we're asked by God to spend time reflecting and worshiping, and likewise spend time with our family. The third commandment. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. I tell oftentimes an experience that I had at Divine Child when I was a young priest, one year ordained. First time I ever really saw the power of the Blessed Sacrament. And we simply exposed the Blessed Sacrament at the end of Mass one night. I encouraged people. I said, you know what? We've been in the habit of praying over people after Mass. I said, we're not going to do that this week. I'm just going to invite people to come on up and pray if they want to pray. And I put the Blessed Sacrament on the altar. I kneeled down. As I kneeled down, the church is in the sanctuary. The whole church. And as I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the people there, and I'm looking at Jesus under the appearance of bread there, I saw the Lord standing on the altar. And he's just standing there looking out at all the people. And then at a certain point, he turned towards me, and he just bowed. And he says, don't you see how easy this is? You don't have to do anything. You just have to put me out. You put me out, and I will work. Losing weight is kind of hard, and it doesn't, doesn't seem to be working all that well for me. So given that I've been working at it for quite a while with no success, uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put my effort, I'm going to concentrate on getting taller. I mean, given the success that many of us have with losing weight, um, getting taller would seem to be uh, at least equally easy, if not, if not more easy. 
I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Program doctor is in. Monday through Friday, this is Monday. And most of the time, it's E-Person Monday. Every once in a while, we'll do a show where I'll take your calls through the air, but I've got to find a way to deal with a lot of these E-Persons because there were so, so many of them. And I feel bad. I feel bad when I... When I don't respond, when I just would ignore him, and I don't want to do that. I have a question regarding my mother. Uh-oh, that nah, makes me nervous already. She's 72, retired, lives about two hours away from my wife and me. In public, our relationship and the relationship between both families seems good. In private, things are okay. But on my side, it's a bit tough. My mom seems to feel she doesn't fit in and isn't welcome. Hmm. My wife does invite her to things, and in turn, my wife and I visit mom for the holidays and such. I'm about two hours away, okay. Even then, though, my mom seems to feel she isn't welcomed or that people don't like her or think she's odd. Now... I don't know why your mom is interpreting all this this way. My experience has been when somebody's very insecure about who they are, they are prone to interpret what you would think as neutral actions, benign actions, and they're prone to take them personally. And you don't know they're doing that because they don't tell you. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it builds up. And then you have the old, I stepped on a nerve effect, where you say or do something and the person just erupts all out of proportion and you're thinking, where did that come from? And well, that's because they've been storing up stuff that you had no idea. She said, there are, he said, there's a lot of episodes where my mother doesn't feel accepted, but here's one that seems to sum it up. Six years ago, oh, that all of a sudden makes me nervous because you already know this has been going on for at minimum six years. (laughs) My wife and I had been dating for a few months. Mom decided to get a cabin for Easter, and we'd have a late Easter dinner. We went to my wife's family first, and it was good. However, my wife hadn't been feeling well and decided to go home. I'm sorry, to stay home. That's right. She's living with her parents. They hadn't, hadn't married yet. My mother, and I think this really says it, was furious. As she had planned a big meal, went all out, brought my brother and sister, who both still live at home. My brother has autism. And to have someone cancel out made my mom feel like my soon-to-be wife already didn't like her. Now, you see what happened here? This is what I mean about interpretation. The motive was... This young lady that her son was dating. Now, keep in mind, they'd only been dating a couple of months. So this young lady didn't owe his mother anything in that sense. I know people are saying, Dr. Ray, why not? Well, because they're dating. But she didn't feel good. Now, was she lying? Apparently, maybe that's what mom thought because she got all upset. She wouldn't take it at face value that this young lady didn't feel good. Oh, she felt good enough to go to her parents. She lives there. So here's what I mean. Mom took an incident, and rather than interpreting it as, oh, I hope she feels better, poor thing, 
Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll give her even give her a call. No, mom immediately took it personal. How dare she not come to my house when I put all this effort into being nice? And that's exactly what she interpreted it as. What are you going to do about something like that? That's just the way she's going to interpret it. And what you're telling me here, sir, is that she does this a lot. Think about it. That's that's about as a good a reason as you're going to get. I don't feel good. Well, apparently, Mom, Grandma didn't believe it. My mom was furious. Okay, on, 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 on. She convinced that my soon-to-be wife already didn't like her. How did she come to that conclusion? See, you can't reason with her. She's already already concluded. That's the way. That's reality. She didn't come because she doesn't like me. So I don't like her. Sadly, we had a fight and said a lot of bad things and made up. My mom then said that while she was okay with whomever I dated, oh boy, see, I've said this before. I, you know, I, I, I pull these e-persons for future use, and I don't remember the latter parts of the letter. But here it is. My mom said that while she was okay with whomever I dated, she never wanted to be hurt like that again. Wow. Because somebody said, I don't feel good, I can't make it at the last minute, Instead of mom saying, well, it's Easter, we got our family here, hope she's doing okay. No, mom said how hurtful that was. Now, see, this is going to tell me this is a woman that really, you got to walk around tippy-toeing. Because as I said, you can't predict how they're going to predict, how they're going to interpret behavior and comments. So already, sir, you're... Wife, way back, started off on the wrong foot. But my mom emphasized she'd be happy with whoever I wanted to be with and that we'd try again next time. There was no need to try again next time. There was no hurt. See, this is one of these, I'll, I'll forgive. I'll be a good person, and I'll forgive. I'll overlook it, and I'm ready to move on. The problem with that kind of thinking is that there was no wrong done. There's nothing to forgive. wonder how often I do that. Of course, my, my wife did eventually meet my mom, and we all ended up getting along well in public. Well, what you're saying is kind of superficial. Pleasant, civil, superficial. But the bottom line is your mom gets easily upset and frustrated when she perceives that somebody is not acting in a way to give her the kind of respect she wants. My mom was truly happy, but at times she still felt like she wasn't well-liked or that she didn't fit in with their family. I don't know what you're going to do about that. Like I said, when somebody's insecure about who they are and they're vigilant, hyper-vigilant to anything that would indicate that someone isn't giving them the respect that they think they should be getting, I, I think it's only a matter of time before it happens again. She's always felt like this whether it's at her teaching, moving to my dad's hometown, 
joining the Catholic Church, though she left and became a nun, N-O-N-E, though, praise God, she started praying again. It always seems like she has never felt comfortable. Well, what you have is what you're describing, and I can't say this, I don't know your mother, but you're describing a pervasive insecurity everywhere. However, she always puts on a nice face and doesn't hate anyone, but has a kind of it-is-what-it-is attitude. See, now there's a problem. It is what it is. No, 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 no. It is what you perceive it to be. It is not is-what-it-is. Is-what-it-is more or less says, when my soon-to-be daughter-in-law, way back when, when she was just dating my son, got sick and didn't come to my house, well, it is what it is. She just hurt me. It is what it is. No, it's not what it is. It's what you thought it is. Mm, I've written whole books about this kind of stuff. All right. My mom still feels she doesn't fit in and yet is upset when she doesn't get contact, but then she'll say it's okay and just shrug it off. No, I don't think she's shrugging it off. I think she stores it up. And I think it's all part and parcel of how she sees herself relative to other people. That they just don't treat her with the with the delicacy and the thoughtfulness, as she defines it, that she should be treated. Well... Let's see, last quote here. However, it's as if she's so good at that, yet is upset people don't put in the same effort. Yet she still accepts it and feels that's just the way it is. In one of my books, I talked about, I think it was in the Thinking Like Jesus book, I talked about how much of the time that I believe I have to forgive, I don't have to forgive. Not because I'm not obligated to forgive, but because there was nothing to forgive. What I thought was a wrong done to me was not a wrong. It was a wrong in my head. It was a misinterpretation of how somebody acted. I imputed, I impugned, impugned, yeah, I impugned a motive to them that they didn't have. In this case, she impugned this motive to her future daughter-in-law of disrespect of thoughtlessness. That was the motive she didn't come to her Easter dinner when, in fact, unless the daughter-in-law-to-be is lying, she didn't feel good. So, how do you know, Dr. Ray? Well, you don't. That's the point. So which motive are you going to go with? And I realized that I have to make real, real sure that when I think I have to forgive somebody, there's actually something to forgive. I'd say about half the time there isn't because they didn't do anything wrong. The wrong is in my head. It was just stuck in psychological midair. I'm Dr. Ray. The doctor will be with you in just a moment. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, 
Two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. There's more to it than reciting the act of spiritual communion. We should begin by having sincere repentance for our sins and affirming our belief that Christ's death redeemed us. Next, we call to mind the spiritual gifts found in Christ's sacrifice and thank God earnestly for them. Now we are disposed to pray the traditional prayer of spiritual communion. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity Health Share, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry, built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save. 866-977-5821. That's 866-977-5821. I don't know anybody in my close social circle or people I associate with that is hungry or that doesn't have shelter or has no clothes. I know people who have less than others, and I know have people who are struggling to get by in the American lifestyle. Uh, they certainly aren't struggling to get by if it was measured against worldly lifestyle. But the bottom line, oh, that's cliche. Sorry about that. The conclusion is, I don't know of people in my circle where I travel, what I do, where I can obey our Lord's command, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty you gave me a drink, prison you visited me although i do have a few of those i have to go outside of what i know in other words i i if i'm going to do these things i have to give them to agencies or groups or people i don't know all right now what i do know is that the people within my social circle my family my friends even my acquaintances, the people that I that I rub elbows with here and there, the one thing I can give them is my personality. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, no, no, don't, Dr. A, don't give them your personality. What I mean by that is, if I proclaim to be a Christian, I need to be easy to get along with. I I need to be one who does not quickly and prickly interpret motives as somehow an assault on me. It may be, but much of the time you can't know it. Or much of the time that even nasty behavior is nasty behavior. When you 
impute, impute I, I keep, I guess impute's okay. When you impute to them the worst possible motive, this person is deliberately trying to hurt me rather than they're weak or mean-spirited or whatever it is, I'm going to get upset. And and as a consequence, they may see that a guy like me is not, not easy to be around if I do that. And the old, you call yourself a Christian. I think the thing that we have to give other people in our close social circle is an appealing personality. Easy to get along with, pleasant, not quick to take offense. That'd be a big gift. Thanks for joining me here on the Sea Person Money. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Thank you, Anna Kruchek, for all you do there in Ann Arbor. Walk with God. He's real easy to get along with. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Have you ever thought about working in a ministry focused on populating heaven? The Guadalupe Radio Network has an opening for a director of development. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. If you are an active, faithful Catholic and would like to explore a career with the GRN, visit the careers page at grnonline.com or send your resume and a cover letter stating why you would like to work for the GRN to careers at grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network offers a competitive salary and a full benefits package. If you just experienced damages from the most recent severe weather, you need a professional to guide you through the insurance process. Hi, I'm Mari Buford with Buford Roofing and Construction and a proud member of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please beware of the door-to-door, fast-talking, high-pressure salesman that insists you sign a contract now. Take your time, weigh your options, and let a professional be your guide. We may be reached at our website, BufordRoofing.com, or by phone at 817-329-ROOF. The Diocese of Dallas continues its preparations for the Dallas Synod that will take place in 2024 by holding 10 public listening sessions in 2022 and 2023. These conversations are an integral part of the synodal process. The discussions at these sessions will follow a different format than our previously concluded catechetical sessions. To register for the upcoming listening sessions on marriage and family or to learn more about the Diocese of Dallas Synod, visit cathdal.org backslash synod. That is cathdal.org backslash synod. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider and a sponsor of this station. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. 
Guadalupe Radio Network congratulates Our Lady of Perpetual Help Parish in Dallas. As it celebrates its 80th anniversary this year, the parish invites all listeners to come celebrate with them at its Patronal Festival on Sunday, June 26th, starting at 9 a.m. Come enjoy family fun, games for children and adults, music, authentic Mexican food, dances, and more. For more information, call Oscar at 214-352-6012. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.